Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you, my friend. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Are Democrats about to snag their biggest impeachment witness yet? We have big news on that front. And we have a key Senate player here tonight with a Ukraine connection of his own. Plus, one of the biggest assaults on key witness Colonel Vindman is about to get blown up on this show in just moments. So what do you say? Let's get after it. President's former national security advisor, John Bolton, is he the next big witness? A source tells CNN he was invited for next Thursday. His lawyer said tonight it's not going to happen without a subpoena. That's easy. That's arranged easily enough these days. Meanwhile, a Bolton top NSC deputy just resigned on the eve of his appearance before impeachment investigators. Tomorrow, Tim Morrison. Why would he be important? Well, he can back up what Bill Taylor testified to as to the understanding of why there was a quid pro quo. And CNN has now learned that Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vidman also tied the president to a Ukraine quid pro quo in his testimony on Tuesday, as was expected. And also, according to sources, he told investigators he was convinced the president was personally blocking $400 million in military aid to force Ukraine to publicly announce an investigation into the Bidens even before Vindman heard that July 25th phone call. So with that, let's bring in Senator Chris Murphy. He was in Ukraine last month. He says he raised red flags to President Zelensky about not getting dragged into American politics. The Foreign Relations Committee member, Democrat from Connecticut, joins us now. Good to see you, Senator. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what can you tell us about uh, Ukraine's president's mindset towards what we're dealing with here? Well, first of all, uh, I had heard back in the spring from many of my friends in Ukraine and those who go back and forth to Ukraine that Zelensky, uh, as a brand new president, someone with no prior political background, was very worried about these overtures he was getting from Rudy Giuliani and the demands that were being made of him to get involved in the uh, American election. And uh, of course, that just stands to reason. Uh, Any foreign leader would be concerned if they are getting visits from the president's political operatives, uh, asking them to uh, get involved in the president's political campaigns. So part of the reason that I went to Ukraine in early September was to, you know, raise this with Zelensky and tell him that, you know, he really should stay out of American political campaigns and that he should conduct his business with the State Department. What was interesting about the meeting, amongst other things, was that, you know, before we even really sat down and engaged in what are normal, some normally diplomatic uh, pleasantries at the beginning of the meeting, uh, Zelensky went straight into the question of the aid. He wanted to know uh, how he could get that aid, why it was being held up. Um, it was of dire concern to him because he knew there were going to be Ukrainians who died on the front with Russia uh, if that if that aid was not released. Uh, at the end of the meeting, I recommended that he stay out of American politics, and he agreed uh, with me. Of course, it was just you know weeks later we learned the extent of the corruption. But uh, at that moment in early September, uh, he was very focused uh, on getting that aid restarted and seems to be um, really crying out for uh, help in terms of how. 
how he could convince the administration to change their mind. And just so we understand, why did you know at that time to ask him to stay out of American politics? Well, it was, uh, I mean, Rudy Giuliani in May was openly bragging about his attempts to try to get Zelensky to investigate the Bidens. So this was, you know, not a, a, a secret for, from anyone. Uh, I actually wrote a public letter to the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee uh, in the spring asking for an investigation because it seemed as if there was this shadow foreign policy trying to corrupt the Ukrainians that uh, we needed to ask more questions about. So I don't think it was a surprise to anyone. Um, I spoke to Ambassador Taylor as well about this while I was there. And he expressed concern at this back channel. Uh, again, at the time, I didn't know that he actually was involved in these conversations, but he clearly was alarmed right. uh, when we were there uh, in early September. So let's look at the president's state of play. How big a deal would uh, John Bolton be to you, the former national security advisor? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we should expect that John Bolton is ultimately going to, uh, you know, be the, the white knight here. He has a very broad belief of executive power. Uh, but from Fiona Hill's testimony, we know that he was deeply uncomfortable with what he called a, a drug deal that was being uh, manufactured by Mick Mulvaney and uh, uh, others on the Ukraine beat. Uh, and so, you know, I expect that he will likely just fill out a few more details in a story that is just crystal clear. I mean, so we know. Don't have any questions. We now you, know that the, you believe you know what happened and I, you know why. I, I, th I think the testimony from Taylor, uh, the statements that Sondland has uh, made, uh, the details that Fiona Hill and Colonel Vindeman fill in, um, just make it absolutely clear that this aid was being uh, held up. The White House meeting was being denied uh, in order to get the uh, Ukrainians to investigate right. the Bidens and l launch investigations into the Clintons. I, I think that's clear as day at this point. I don't know how Republicans can deny that after all the testimony that they've seen at this well, point. Well, if you watch the show, they find new ways every night. Uh, and look, I, I still think the big question is going to come down on your shoulders about whether or not this is worthy of removal. I think there's still reasonable arguments to be made um, on uh, the side of why it's not worthy of removal. But we'll get to that later. Let me ask you two quick things. We're all obsessed with this July 25th phone call. What about the July 30th phone call between the United States president and Putin? Now, the president was asked about it and said, we just talked about Siberian wildfires. That strains credulity. Five days after the Ukraine call, that's what he talked to Putin about. How interested are you in that call? And is there any chance of access? So I, I'm interested in that call. Um, I, I, listen, I, I, I think we've got to be a little careful about making demands for, um, you know, a large number of private communications between the president and others. I think when we have evidence from whistleblowers that there has been uh, corruption or illegality committed on a phone call between the president and a foreign that's leader, different. then I think that's appropriate for us to. Yeah, I think that's appropriate then for us to ask for the transcript. But if we're just sort of fishing with some suspicions, even though they may be reasonable suspicions, um, I, I just think we want to be careful about the precedent of expecting that all of these private communications be made public. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that discretion is the better part of that. You want candor in those kinds of conversations. The question becomes, does anybody that's being interviewed uh, in the depositions now or in later hearings bring up that call? Because uh, maybe you had the same people on yeah. both and there will be something. Let me ask you something else. Today, you had Sullivan uh, before your committee. Uh, he is the selection by the administration to be ambassador to Russia. He gave the president cover on Ukraine. He said, yeah, look, I know what happened in the call. And the president had said that, uh, you know, these investigations were relevant and part of policy. But there was no quid pro quo. Does that 
Question, does that answer make you comfortable with him as uh, the diplomat in charge of Russia communications for the United States? Well, you know, listen, John Sullivan's an honorable guy. I, I like him, but his answer just doesn't make sense right. uh, because the bulk of his testimony was that he was kept in the dark, that he actually had no knowledge of any of these uh, entreaties in, in to the Ukrainians on investigations into the Bidens until the whistleblower came forward. So I have no idea how he can now represent that he knows there was no quid pro quo uh, when, in fact, he has seen the reports of the testimony that um, make it clear that there was a quid pro quo. And he has no present, not, he has no um, real time knowledge because he is trying to save himself by suggesting that he was in the dark. Uh, so you can't have it both ways. You can't say that you didn't know anything about it, but you're absolutely certain that there was no corruption, especially when all of the testimony from career public officials, from members of the Trump administration, uh, makes it very clear that there was a quid pro quo. Right. Uh, and as you know, because I've said this before on the show, I, I, I think there was a quid pro quo, but I frankly don't think that you need to prove it for this to be corrupt. I think a president asking for investigation into his political opponents um, is corrupt, potentially illegal, even if uh, there isn't uh, a demand on the other side or a withholding of support or aid on the other side. After Mueller, we had people saying, if a foreign power comes to you and offers it, contact the FBI, stay away. Now, asking a foreign power for help isn't a problem. Anyway, Senator Chris Murphy, I appreciate your perspective very much. An important time in our history. Thank you for being with us. All right. All right. Thanks. Now, there's one name that keeps coming up in each of these testimonies, even again today. The name that we cannot forget is Rudy Giuliani. I know that's gone quiet. You're not seeing him anywhere, and that's with good reason. But we have to remember what he means in this narrative, prosecution or not. He is completely relevant to understanding what happened here and why. Let's shine a light on what we know. Next. Very interesting. The president once again called on his proxies to focus on the substance, not the process. That's because he doesn't think he can do anything wrong. But many in his orbit clearly disagree and with good reason. It's the substance of what he was doing that was compared to a drug deal inside his own White House. When you focus on the substance and follow the facts, you will land squarely on Rudy Giuliani. A whole lot of Trump's own people thought Giuliani was doing something wrong. Let there be no mistake what his mission was. He told you right here on this show. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden. Of course I did. All right. You notice you don't see him much on TV anymore. You can attribute that to being under investigation and being told he's making things worse for POTUS. Because let's be clear, as admitted, The president's personal lawyer asked a foreign government to go after a 2020 candidate. It's behavior like that that has witness after witness Trump's own people, military heroes, career public servants, even big money political donors of his and former Fox Newsers calling the former mayor, quote, a hand grenade and an obstacle to U.S. foreign policy. Now, we know Bill Taylor was worried about Giuliani. Remember, Taylor is the top diplomat in Ukraine for the United States, asked by Pompeo, the secretary of state, to do that job. And even the one guy trying to give POTUS cover, Ambassador Sondland, the donor friend of Trump, he testified that he was disappointed by the president's decision that we involve Mr. Giuliani. Still, we have hard evidence, thanks to the text messages, 
Giuliani was right in the middle of the effort to withhold the White House meeting and military aid the Ukrainians needed. Even today, Trump's number two diplomat said Giuliani was pivotal in the removal of the Ukrainian ambassador. Listen. You were aware that there were individuals and forces outside of the State Department seeking to smear Ambassador Yovanovitch. Is that correct? I was. And, that, and to seeking to remove her. Is that correct? I was. And did you know Mr. Giuliani was one of those people? I believed uh, he was, yes. So imagine how confusing that must be for Ukrainians. Their president badly wanted a White House meeting, and with good reason. Their military, desperate for U.S. aid, with good reason. Yet multiple U.S. officials, including Volcker, remember him, the special envoy, worked at the McCain Center, was asked to come back and do this. They were telling them Giuliani doesn't represent the United States government, but he sure did represent its president. That's why they're reaching out to Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. The colonel's job was to know the ins and outs of the U.S.-Ukrainian relationship, to be in touch with Ukrainians, to be that go-between. So these attacks about him working both sides are BS, and the people making the attacks know it. Questions about why the Ukrainians would need helping sort this out from him, it ignores the chaos caused when this president made foreign policy contingent on his political benefit, and that evidenced by being run by his personal attorney. Now, my next guest faced major backlash after he suggested that Vindman, who sounded the alarm about Trump and Ukraine, could have committed espionage. But the former DOJ official now says he's been taken wrong. What does he mean to say? What does he think about those attacks? What does he think about the situation? Next. State TV, a.k.a. Fox News, has been crushing LTC Vindman. And here's one of the ugliest examples. a U.S. national security official who is advising Ukraine while working inside the White House, apparently against the president's interest, and usually they spoke in English. Isn't that kind of an interesting angle on this story? I find that astounding. And, you know, some people might call that espionage, uh, but it doesn't actually seem to add any new facts to what we know. John Yu is the man speaking there, former U.S. Deputy Assistant Attorney General. Welcome to primetime. I respect you taking this invitation. Chris, thanks for having me on and giving me a chance to, I hope, clarify what I was trying to say, which was I wasn't questioning Lieutenant Colonel Vindman's patriotism. I have a lot of respect for people who wear the uniform, who are decorated for service in Afghanistan, Iraq. When, I, when Laura was reading me the facts of the case, what I was focusing on was that it seemed to me the Ukrainians were engaging in espionage. And I, am, I really regret the choice of words, but I was thinking about Ukrainians engaging right. in espionage, I hear not you, John, and look, look, if you say you're sorry, that's good enough for me on this show. But I just want to go through it because you're a smart mm-hmm. guy. I've done my homework on you. Laura Ingram was trying to assassinate the character of Vindman. That's what she does. She's a proxy for our president. She's a brilliant legal mind. She's a talented communicator. And she is trying to protect this president. How could you have thought she was talking about Ukraine when she was obviously talking about Vindman and these ugly suggestions that he was working in both sides? You know, for a fact, they came to him for help with Giuliani. He was doing his job. How could you let her get away with that? 
I, I really do think that the Ukrainians are the ones engaged in espionage. And I, I How is that I espionage? I looked at the... Oh, well, you the thought government that's what she was referring contact. to. No. Go ahead, explain. No, that's, I, I, yeah, I was listening to her description of the story. And when I, what I focused on was a foreign government trying to call an official in our National Security Council and get advice on how to deal with Rudy Giuliani, who I agree with you from the last clip has just gone completely off the reservation. And I think that's, to me, an effort to make a contact and engage in espionage. But not on Lieutenant Colonel Vidman's part. I really actually don't have any doubts that he did the right thing in reporting his concerns up the chain of command. And I just want to make clear, I'm not questioning his patriotism in any way. I actually well, what do you think, think about Laura Ingram real- doing exactly that? I know you like going on Fox <laughs> News. I know you defend the president from time to time. I have no problem with that. You're welcome on this show to do the same thing. But you're going to go on a show and listen to somebody try to impugn the character of a man you're now calling a patriot? What do you think of what she tried to do? What, actually, what I was saying, and, and this is, after, I think, after the clip you showed, was I wanted to say, which I think I did, was that actually Lieutenant Colonel Vidman's presence or point was not actually materially important to the story because he was confirming the facts of what we already knew, which was that President Trump had made a call with the president and had seemed to ask for a quid pro quo between releasing Ukrainian aid and conducting some investigation into Hunter Biden and his service on natural gas companies. You don't have any question about what actually happened here, do you? I mean, do you need any more proof uh, with somebody with your pedigree that the president clearly wanted an investigation of the Bidens and clearly they were holding up aid in a meeting until he got a public recognition that that would happen? No, actually, I don't have any doubts about that because you can read them in the transcript of the phone call that the White House released on. So that was my point was that Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman shouldn't be the the key question or the key character in all this because he's just confirming the facts that were already laid out in the previous testimony and in the telephone call. Now, two points. One is, why wouldn't Ukraine, when confronted with this bizarre situation where a guy who has no business and no role in U.S. diplomacy is hammering them for very specific things that are very curious reaches out to someone they know who's in charge of the relationship to say, what do we do? You really think that's espionage? I think on the foreign government's part, it is, you know, usually you would talk to the State Department, diplomats on the scene. You know, the National Security Council is a very sensitive body. They did, though. They talked to Volcker. They talked to everybody they could because this was crazy time what was going on. No, and I don't blame the Ukrainians for trying to do what they did. But, but you just said me, it was espionage. To, call an intelligence of, for, to try to call an intelligence official in the National Security Council on their part sounds to me like espionage. I think the Russians and Ukrainians have been up to all kinds of things throughout this entire investigation to our, detri- our national detriment. I think we're being played sometimes for fools by them. And I, I have no doubt that what they're up to is espionage. Do you think that could be what a component of what's going on with Mr. Rudy Giuliani, that all of a sudden he winds up working with two people to advance the president's interests who are now indicted and have all these connections to Russian funny money? And we're getting wires of money that oddly resemble the amounts that they gave him. Do you think that's part of the component there? Oh, yes. I think actually part of what's going on is that people in our government, or actually in the circle of private people around the president, are getting played by the intelligence services of other countries. I've, it doesn't, I think that's an inescapable conclusion. Well, I, I see that with Russia, this. but I don't see how Ukraine was playing the president. What happened with Ukraine was the president putting an agenda on them. I mean, is there any other way to see it? Well, of course, you know, what the 
phone transcript shows is that the president wanted them to conduct an investigation. He wanted them to do a favor. And then we're seeing these contacts, these communications where the president and Rudy Giuliani trying to, and Ambassador Sondland are trying to pressure them into uh, uh, doing that investigation as the cost of, or price of a meeting and then later foreign aid. I, I, Chris, I don't disagree with you. I think the hard question on impeachment now is not the facts of what happened. I think those have been proven out. It's whether this is a high crime and misdemeanor or whether this should be decided in the Senate in a trial or whether this should be decided at the ballot box in November. I, look, I think it's a legitimate argument. I think that uh, you can hear good faith arguments about why this isn't worthy of removal. Uh, I think we're a little bit of far away from that. But the idea of triggering the mechanism you know, abuse of power like this, you know, this is not only what the founding fathers were worried about. We just came out of the Mueller probe, John, where the only thing both sides agreed on was that you're not supposed to mess with foreign powers. The president did this literally on the same day Mueller was saying, Mr. Trump's not out of the woods. I mean, how do you take that as a signal of anything other than this president is worthy, is willing to abuse his power no matter what? Chris, you've had me on your show before. I've been happy to say that. I I agree with you on the fact that the framers were worried uh, and did draft the impeachment clause about uh, to get at presidents who put their personal interests above the national interest when it came to foreign policy. The other thing, though, they were worried about is impeachment being used as a tool by Congress to control presidents. 100 percent. Federalist paper number 65. Alexander Hamilton says this cannot be just about numbers that if you have more, you get to get rid of the person, that this process will awaken all of the ugliest partisan impulses and it has to be better than that. No question. Uh, And I think we have to go through this. But here's my thing for you, John. Do you regret not saying to the host of that show, hey, don't talk about Venman like that. We don't know that he's a never Trumper. Don't, Don't accuse him of being a spy. This is ugly stuff. This is beneath us as Americans. We don't make that kind of xenophobic and jingoistic arguments about our own. Well, what I wish I had said, and I just didn't have time to, is that I didn't know the facts. I didn't know about Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, and I wish I had said, let's find out more and let's hear the facts first before we uh, rush to any judgments. And I didn't mean to rush to any judgments, Chris. I really appreciate what you're saying, and I really I do share your views on this. I made, a, I think I made a mistake in not being clear in what I thought. I, I'm happy to give you the opportunity to clarify it. I'm not into the gotcha contest. That's the other place where you hang out. That's what they're trying to do. And I understand why. We both know they can't deal with the facts in this situation. One last quick question. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's investigation is criminal uh, and uh, national security. It's an intelligence investigation. Uh, do you think that there is legitimate concern on what you know so far in terms of there being teeth to looking at him? Well, if you look at the facts that are coming out or just the suggestions that are coming out in the newspapers, I can see why his old office, the Southern District of New York, and the U.S. Attorney's Office is open in investigation. Uh, it does seem he was associating with, again, these Ukrainians who might have been receiving money from sources abroad and trying to funnel the money into the president's campaign. That doesn't mean Rudy Giuliani is guilty of anything, but no. I can completely see why he's under investigation because yes. of his relation with these people who definitely have violated federal law. And I believe that for us, in terms of the political analysis— You can't say that the president didn't know what he was doing and that he didn't really mean it that way because Rudy Giuliani answers all that curiosity. He was doing a a shadow parallel operation to get done what the president wanted to get done. John, you're always welcome on this show. I did not want you stained with the kind of BS that's going on over there. I know why they're doing it. I wanted to give you a chance not to be a part of it. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. 
John Yu, look, you got to be fair to people uh, in this situation. They're not being fair to Vinman over there. And we have to call it out. And it's good to hear someone say, I didn't mean to be a part of that. Good. Now let's take it to the court and understand what's going on, what matters here, what the big questions are that Rudy Giuliani is going to be at the center of. Cuomo's court, brilliant minds. Next. All right, let's get some legal perspective on what's going on here and what matters going forward on impeachment. Cuomo's court is in session with Asha Rangappa and Elliot Williams. Good to have you both. Look, I was... Glad to give you a chance to walk away from that statement. And I'm glad he did in part. You know, he's a professor at UC Berkeley. It's not exactly a place uh, to be front running this kind of BS. But on the second part, Asha, well, Ukraine could be engaged in espionage by reaching out to Vindman. How? I don't understand that argument. I was astonished that he even said that. To be clear to your viewers, espionage is the closest crime we have to treason. Um, it involves passing classified information or defense secrets. Um, it's like giving up secrets to an enemy. Uh, the idea that Ukraine would be engaging in some intelligence operation by calling an official channel of the White House makes absolutely no sense, uh, since they were actually calling to clarify what the president had just told them, which would be incredibly normal. But even if what you said was what was going on, what he is suggesting, suggesting is that the Ukrainians believe that Vindman was somehow vulnerable to compromise, uh, which is the only reason that they would engage in that kind of action. It makes absolutely no sense. He should have just apologized instead of doubling down. And by the way, he is a former deputy AG. He's a law professor, as you said, a Yale Law School graduate. You don't just drop the word espionage lightly when you know what that word means. And he should have never said that. The idea for him, Elliot, is that He was basically getting a bull's rush there from Ingram, and he didn't really know the facts, so he was listening along. Uh, Look, I don't really care about John. You know, John, you said what he said. He did what he did. Uh, The tactic employed by Ingram and others is very clear, Elliot. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle the facts on this one, so they must find scapegoats and destroy the process. Uh, Do you believe that that is going to work well for them going forward? Well, you can see it's sort of slipping away. The process argument really has failed on impeachment. It's it's turned out to be a bit of a dud. Uh, the Republicans in the in the House of Representatives for the last couple of weeks have been saying that you know if you um, you have to have a vote in order to proceed with an impeachment hearing, and that's fallen apart because there's now going to be a vote tomorrow on an impeachment proceeding. And so now I think they're start, start, like so. For instance, Ron Johnson, senator uh, from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. just I guess in the last day or so, had said, well, you know, even if the president engaged in this conduct, I just don't believe it's removable or impeachable conduct. They are now shifting their strategy toward one where they're Well, but he's a senator, Elliot. So that's that's really the part where he weighs in, is whether or not it's worthy of removal. Right, but that's fine. But it's a Republican member of Congress now engaging on the substance of the matter. Um, You may start to see that in the House as well. But the point is, everybody universally, both in the Senate and the House, was focusing on these process points. And now they're starting to turn to the substance just because that's all they have. That's that's really what it is. And you saw some of that last night on Fox News. You know, to some extent, you know, know, look, the three of us here would be the first to say that live television can be challenging. Um, But again, there's just, as Asha had said, 
said, uh, John Yu's statements are indefensible. If he was capable of writing memoranda justifying torture in black sites around the world, he knows what the word espionage means and should have just apologized. Um, so, Asha, you guys are going to beat me up on this. You know, the, I, I hedge my risk by having better minds around me at all times. But I see good faith arguments against removal by Republican senators. I see arguments coming our way of, look, what he did was wrong. It was abusive of his power. But, but Ukraine didn't give him any dirt. The election is intact from that perspective. He gave them the aid. They're doing okay. They like us just fine. There is no damage. He's a first-term president. An election is less than a year away. It's not worthy of removal. Let the election decide. Yeah, what makes an act uh, a crime or a high crime is your state of mind when you do it and your and what you are intending to achieve, even if it doesn't come to completion. And and Elliot can corroborate this that you don't actually have to complete the bank robbery or you know the murder. The intention to do it um, is enough. And what we have here is a corrupt intent to use a the the office of the presidency, the most awesome you know powers that we give to an individual in this country for a personal benefit, which you know is is just unacceptable for for that office. Now, I think the best defense that he has, and as Elliot mentioned, they're they're trying out a lot of them, is that he's just too, you know, inept or incompetent to really know that what he was doing was wrong. Um, I think that that actually counsels in favor of removal, because if you don't know that that's wrong, then probably you're not a good fit for that job. Um, So I don't really see a good argument. Of course, it's political. They can use any reason, just as any jury can, Mm. to not remove him. Um, but I don't think the fact that it was not uh, actually completed um, doesn't isn't a yeah. good one, especially you, since he's encouraged other countries to do the same thing at this you point fancy, as well. What you fancy legal types call an inchoate crime, I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E. An inchoate it, crime. It was Correct. not completed, but it's still bad because what you intended to do. Now, Elliot, here's my thing. I, I think that the reason that argument won't work as well for the president as mine, no disrespect to Asha, she's much smarter, uh, but it is my show and my head is bigger in the windows, the, is that Rudy Giuliani was all over it. So that you didn't know or you were too dumb or you're not a real politician, so you weren't savvy to the fact that you're not supposed to do this. His boy was pushing all the buttons for him on his behalf, circumventing a system that was in place to do it the right way. And that's why Rudy was involved, Elliot. You know, if they wanted to go after corruption, even a U.S. citizen in Ukraine, you know what? We have an agreement between the two countries with the whole protocol in place, and it goes through the DOJ. He knew he would have known that if he wanted to do it the right way, if he cared about corruption. He had his guy doing this. Rudy is the key. Yeah. Okay. Well, in mob prosecutions, that's called a bag man. And both, you know, when you have someone being the fall guy for the underlying offense that you've committed, the president of the, let's, you know, let's look at what starts with the whistleblower report is corroborated in that call memorandum and and then is corroborated in the testimony of pretty much everybody we've seen thus far. And Rudy yelling Uh, at me, blowing my hairline back. Rudy yelling at you and blowing your hairline back. Um, and making very clear. Um, so what this was, the president of, this is at the president of the United States' direction. The president of the United States sought to seek favors from a foreign country. The president of the United States sought to uh, to um, to carry out investigations of a political rival. Now, the fact that he had someone carrying out the offense for him, again, that's, look, you know, I'll use another term for you, uh, legal term, accomplice liability. When Ooh. you, uh, yeah, you like that, huh? Yeah, yeah, but the good, whole point good. is when you enlist someone else to commit an offense, 
um, you know, th- you're guilty of the offense too. But again, let's not pin this all on Rudy Giuliani when in fact it is the conduct of the president of the United States that is at issue here. Rudy's got his, or pardon me, the mayor, uh, Mayor Giuliani has his own matters uh, to take care of, you know, his legal matters t- to be concerned about. But hey, at the end of the day, this is the president's Ask Michael Cohen, here. Asha, how it goes when it's Donald Trump or you who's going to wind up paying the price uh, for something. You know, I still think that when the book is written about all this, Michael Cohen made his mistakes. But the fact that the president was not punished for any of the stuff that Michael Cohen did and he's sitting in jail right now, Rudy Giuliani's got to be worried. Oh, Rudy Giuliani uh, should be very worried about his own personal liability. Um, and, you know, he does not have the kinds of, you know, immunities and protections um, that yeah. the president enjoys. Um, but, you know, as Elliot Nor the said, support. we really do need to remember. Nor the exactly. support. Remember, um, politicians will decide the president's fate. That's right. Um, and But going back to the president's conduct, which is really at issue, because as Elliot pointed out, Rudy Giuliani was acting um, in service of the president. So mm-hmm. whatever he did was doing it for the president's benefit. Um, and I'll just point out that not only has uh, every witness who's come forward so far appeared to corroborate both the whistleblower complaint and each other, I have not yet seen any exculpatory evidence or information um, coming out in any of the reporting from these witnesses that would mitigate uh, what Trump was trying to do um, in terms of giving Republicans any kind of hook uh, to, you know, to to give him a defense, which is, I think, partly why they're struggling and throwing spaghetti against the wall um, and hoping that something sticks. Well, what they've tried to do on top of that is attack the credibility uh, of a witness like um, 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 Vinman Vinman yesterday, but calling him like the the espionage point and so on. So, yeah, they're not even successful there. Vinman was a mistake for them. Uh, They're going to learn from this one. They picked the wrong guy. You have to know who you're going at. Now, the reason they went after him, he's been the most effective. He was on the call. He's got the pedigree. He's been there. Asha, Elliot, I don't say it enough. I love you guys. Thank you for making my show better. Appreciate it. All right. Remember Russia? Now, the closing has actually architected the playoff this conversation we just had. They're the country that meddled in our last election. The president and his defenders, I think they need a refresher. I think that this situation we're in right now and where we're going, including with Rudy Giuliani, will benefit from just the briefest look of where we've just been. That's the crux of the argument next. All right, here we go. What's past is prologue, said Shakespeare. And the Bard's instruction that a look back can show you where you are and where you're going is very useful now, I argue to you. After the Mueller probe, The one thing both sides seemed to agree on was that foreign influence in an election is a no-no. Witness Trump defender number one. Here's what I want you to tell every politician. If you get a call from somebody suggesting that a foreign government wants to help you by disparaging your opponent, tell us all to call the FBI. Now, remember that, but also remember this. This president never seemed to accept that reality. In fact, the day after Mr. Mueller explicitly said the president was not exculpated by the report, Trump got on the phone with the Ukrainian president and asked for a favor that he reopen an investigation into the company which Hunter Biden served on the board for. 
the transcript of which was locked away on a secret server and testimony about which the White House has repeatedly tried to block. So for those opposed to this impeachment, here's the question for you. What will stop this president from continuing to get help in this election and to abuse his power in general? Just because he did this Ukraine thing doesn't mean he'll do it again. That's what they say. But this was Trump before Mueller. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Oh, he's just joking. You still think that? Then his campaign tried to get closer to WikiLeaks and to Russian agents, and they got off the hook with Mueller for failing in their efforts and being seen as too stupid to know it was wrong. But now, when people cried foul about Trump's play to Ukraine, what did he do? He doubled down. He asked China to do the same thing. China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with uh, with Ukraine. And that's what he's saying to your face. Imagine what's happening behind your back. And if there were any hope of those close to this president taming his tendencies, once again, we must turn to Trump defender number one, Senator Graham. You remember what he just said up there? That foreign influence is a problem. Now he says this. I have zero problems with this phone call. There is no quid pro quo here. So if Ukraine offered you help, it's bad and call the FBI. But if you ask them, no problem. The hypocrisy doesn't help. And it tees up another reason that a look back shows the peril of the president. You remember how random the accusations against Paul Manafort seemed? What was he doing? What was this? Ukraine, millions, Russian oligarch. What's all this? What's going on? Now he's working free for the Trump campaign. This doesn't make sense. It's so random. Now, Rudy Giuliani is in the same soup, potentially paid hundreds of thousands for who knows what by guys now under arrest for funneling Russian money into campaigns. And Giuliani's all over the place meeting with people in Ukraine and once again working for the president for free running the scam there. Eerie coincidence? Or was there some kind of agreement that he'd get value back for his services to the president? All we know for sure is that this president put us right back in a vulnerable place that Mr. Mueller warned about. In your investigation, did you think that this was a single attempt by the Russians to get involved in our election? Or did you find evidence to suggest they'll try to do this again? Oh, it wasn't a single attempt. Uh, They're doing it as we sit here. And they expect to do it uh, 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 during the, the next campaign. All right. Now, on this point of Russian interference... You saw what we learned from the New York Times today, right? They've got a new bag. They're testing new disinformation tactics in this enormous Facebook campaign in parts of Africa as part of an evolution of their techniques ahead of our next election. This time, no fake accounts, no accounts set up in Russia. They're employing locals, so it's harder to notice. Facebook's going to know this, and what are they going to do about it? Nothing. Still an active participant in the disinformation campaign because it's basically allowing all political ads, even if they contain lies. But maybe Russia is just not up to new tricks, but employing older other methods like moneying up people close to this president. Maybe they got close to Rudy 
Maybe he didn't even know. But this president certainly has learned nothing and has certainly not been chastened by anything in the past. So if impeachment isn't necessary, how can those who defend this president, but who went on record that foreign influence is a bad thing in elections, how do you plan to stop him? I'm going to be asking this question a lot, and you should be listening carefully to the answers. Now, that's my argument. When we come back, Facebook tees up a bolo for us because what these platforms do matters so much in our democracy. Bolo for you next. Bolo time, that means be on the lookout. I just showed you what Facebook is doing or not doing about deceptive political ads. But Twitter, of all platforms, is going in the other direction, announcing today that it will stop accepting all political ads starting next month. CEO Jack Dorsey tweeting, we believe political message reach should be earned, not bought. Question is, good step. The Trump campaign calls it an attempt to silence conservatives. How? When it's all ads that they're doing this to. But anyway, be on the lookout, because while this may have been nothing for Twitter other than a jab at Zuckerberg and company, it could set off First Amendment litigation and make Twitter itself a target of its biggest troll, this president. All right. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight with the man, D. Lemon, starts right now. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.